Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Big thank you for joining us here on this Saturday afternoon. Weather outside, absolutely glorious. Hope you guys are doing great wherever you might be out there. Thank you for taking some time to join us here. David James going to join us here momentarily to talk about Mark Eaton. Also some thoughts on Game 3 of the NBA playoffs tonight. But uh, plenty going on. By the way, if you guys have interest in watching the Utah Jazz amongst your fellow Jazz fans, well, come down to the arena tonight. They're having a watch party here at Vivint Arena. They'd love to have you guys out here. I believe doors open around 6 o'clock, if not 6.30. If you guys want to come out and watch the Utah Jazz on the big screens in the lower bowl, be a fun, fun night. I would encourage you guys, if you don't have anything else going on on a Saturday night, sounds like a pretty fun night for you and those that might be closest to you. You can spend time with Jazz fans. I believe concession stands will be open as well. Should be a fun, fun night out here at the Smart House. Uh, David James joins us now, of course, KUTV, as well as host of DJ and PK in the morning here on the Zone Sports Network, a guy I work with on a daily basis. DJ, how's it going? Oh, you know, uh, best of times, worst of times kind of stuff, right? There's no doubt about that. Uh, let's start with the worst of times, I guess is we'll, what we'll term it here, DJ. Uh, when did you hear about the Mark Eaton news? And funny enough, I actually saw your tweet about it was the one that broke the news to me. Uh, yeah, I heard about it this morning. I did not know about it last night. Um, what I've been told is he went out for a bike ride about 8 o'clock. And I was told that uh, he didn't come back. His wife, Terry, went looking for him and uh, kind of came upon the scene. Someone had already summoned uh, medical personnel, I guess, emergency personnel, and uh, he was taken to the hospital. And I don't know if he was pronounced dead at the scene or uh, at the hospital. I'm not, I'm not quite clear on those details, mm-hmm. but uh, he passed away. I, I think the working assumption is it was a heart attack, but I think it would take an autopsy to really confirm that. Uh, he was only 64 years old, and he's... He's in great shape. He's out bike riding, but yeah. I think all of us who are hardcore basketball fans know that um, the the history of the health of the big men of the game is is not good. You know, for every Bill Russell who's living and active into their 80s and a great story, uh, there are so many big men that just died too young. Moses Malone, Daryl Dawkins, you know, Mark Eaton. Uh, unfortunately, that list is just is just way too long. Yeah, DJ, you've been here in the community for a long time. If I'm not mistaken, you came came to Utah right at the tail end of when Mark was finishing up his playing days with I, Utah Jazz. I did. My first season, I got hired in August of 92, and his last season was 92-93. And he played a little bit in that season. I do remember interviewing him post-game in the locker room back when such things were possible. Um, but he played a limited amount that year. If you look at the Jazz win totals, they had a slew of, you know, Jerry Sloan became known for the 50-win season. Mm-hmm. Just just rolled them out one year after another. And that's the exception. I think that was a 47-win season. But they didn't have a backup to Mark, and he was having major back issues that forced him to retire. So he played a real no- limited number of games. And they had to use the Brown Bear, you know, basically their backup power forward, because Mike Brown was backing up uh, mm-hmm. Carl Malone, had to become their center. And without that intimidator in the middle of the floor, you know, it's one thing to play well. I think, I think we've seen that in this playoff series in game one with the Jazz and the Grizzlies. Derek Favors played well. A- anybody who's watching the game, you don't need – he played well. But he doesn't have the intimidation factor. He doesn't have Rudy's size. So even though he wins some of those battles, there are more of those battles because guys aren't intimidated. And that's what happened in 92-93. 
without Mark there to intimidate people, defensively they really slipped. He was an all-star. He was a two-time defensive player of the year. He was a very good player, and I think everyone knows the story about him. You know, high school basketball didn't go well. He wasn't as good as he told the Salt Lake Tribune in a feature I've retweeted that I really suggest you go read, um, where he describes himself as a, uh, you know, his, his basketball, his NBA career was a miracle he wanted mm-hmm. no part of. Yeah. He participated very reluctantly. In, um, but he had a J.C. coach who really believed in him who talked him into uh, don't quit on basketball, auto mechanic isn't for you, and played at Cyprus and UCLA and got drafted late by the Jazz as a project, but ended up you know, playing more than a decade. And, uh, and then staying in the community. And I think as much as people loved him as a good player and his numbers in the Raptors, and he was an all-star, and two-time defensive player of the year. I just, looking at Twitter after I posted the story, um, there were just so many people who were recounting their one interaction with him, and it was so great. There were people who had photos in all sorts of different locations, just living their random lives and bumping into them. And then a lot of people who just, you know, had a kind word, spoke at their school, posed for a photo with them. There were just so many great interactions because he stayed in the community. He lived in Summit County. And I, I saw, actually on Twitter, somebody said that they saw him at uh, at the jazz game this weekend, um, so you know as well as recently he was a, he was a common fixture there. They'd often yeah. show him show him on the scoreboard, the jumbotron, and you know show him on TV. And I would see him in the halls and talk to him. And uh, he's got a lot of friends in the media. He was a great interview. Always had interesting stuff to say. Um, you know, said it in an interesting manner. I, he was a Renaissance man after his career ended. He, you know. He and some partners started Tuscany. Yep. Uh, you know, there wasn't a lot of fine dining options in Utah, and so he created, it was Jeff Hornacek's one knock on the town. He says, we love being here, but my wife and I like to go out to eat, and there aren't a lot of options, you know? And so Tuscany's been in the community, my gosh, I, I'm 20, 25, maybe, I don't think 30 years, I think 20 to 25 years. It's been a huge success story. So he's got the restaurateur. He wrote a book and has done a lot of motivational public speaking, corporations, you know, on how to be good teammates and how corporations um, act need to act a lot like successful sports teams. And so he was in demand of that, did a lot of traveling. Um, yeah. A lot of, a lot of great memories and a life well lived. Uh, DJ, you just recently mentioned that, you, you know, you've seen a lot of the people sharing their interactions with him uh, on social media, uh, their various stories. Uh, did you have a favorite interaction with Mark Eaton during your time here in the media? Um, yeah, he uh, after a playoff loss, uh, I was doing radio back in the early days of 1320K fan, and um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Carl had come up, you know, with a bad game in the clutch. Okay, and and he was just Mark was such a jazz fan, just like something's got to be done about Carl in these big games. They, they just they got to find a way to get him on track, and they got to. And I remember thinking. Well, right before I got here, there was an SI story, and everyone assumed that Carl was talking about you. (laughs) (laughs) Now here you are talking about Carl. I don't know that either one of you were wrong. (laughs) You both wanted it so badly. Uh, So that was was kind of funny. Uh, I didn't say anything to him about it. I don't know that he saw the irony of it. He was, in that moment, he was just a jazz fan who was frustrated, who knew that, you know, the, the franchise rests on Carl's shoulders and can only go as far as Carl can go. And actually, I'm trying to think what series it was. I think they won that series, too. I think it was the – I'm not positive, though, but it might have been – I'm pretty sure it was the first-round series with the Rockets in 98 when they got down 2-1. to one Okay. And came back to win the series and go to the finals. And I think that's when it was. 
and Carl had a bad game early in the series, you know, and and so anyway, um, yeah, that was that was pretty funny. Uh, it's hard to limit it to just one though, because he was such a pleasure of a guy that you know just you just see him in the even even walking the other way in the in the on the ground level of the arena back when we could do such things, uh, and you see him coming, and even if you just talk to him for fifteen seconds, you know, he's in a good mood. And, hey, Mark, where'd you fly off and speak to? Oh, I was speaking to <laughs> fill in the blank name of the company at whatever. But uh, it was great. It was great because I knew I'd be able to plan my way to get back here for this game tonight. You know, and what's going to happen? And then you know, he'd tell you something, and then he'd go on and talk to somebody else. And I mean, and it's not just me. It's not like I had some special role. If you had uh, Wes Ruff on, he would tell you the same thing. If you had Brad Rock on, he would tell you the same thing. If you had Steve Loom on, he would tell you the same thing. Bowler, you know, on down the line. And it's just kind of how Mark interacted with people, you know, he was, it was, it's funny. I think in the story you find out that he was really uncomfortable in his own skin because of his height and the basketball expectations and just, you know, in general, being a teenager is hard anyway. And, and so he had all of that. And I just think later in life, he figured it out and got to a place where he was comfortable. And because of that, he was great to be around. Um, and if you read that trip story I mentioned that I retweeted, uh, and shout out to Kyle Goon, who doesn't work here anymore. He's down, you know, working in LA covering the Lakers as a beat writer, but he was at the Tribune and he went into the archives and posted that. And it's, you kind of see that where Mark, you know, as he got older, um, you know, got reflective, you know, why didn't I like basketball? Why did I like it? Why wasn't I good at it? Why did I become good at it? But move beyond the X's and O's and the winning and the losing into, you know, who you are as a person, what you should value, why other people value you, and that's okay, but don't wear their expectations. And you could see that, you know, over the course of his life, he had to work through a lot of that and just ended up in a good place. And that was why, you know, no matter who you were, you liked bumping into Mark, you know, a jazz fan with one interaction. Um, his teammates, I know that Stockton got notified right away and he notified Carl Malone right away. You know, whatever run-ins you have with a teammate, because you don't think a teammate's playing well one night, that's all That's all details. And it's all long since water under the bridge, you know. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Well, see, and I think, DJ, what you said right there is people, when they interacted with him, even if it was just one time, they came away with a positive impression of him. He never felt yeah. like he was bigger than you. I know he's bigger than you physically, but he's not bigger than you in the moment. And I, that's what I think everybody that I've seen talking about him on social media, et cetera, has indicated as yeah. such. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. You know, and I don't like to speak for PK on a lot of things, but I think I can speak for this, that, you know, he... He would concur with what you just said. You know, we had Mark on the show several times, mm-hmm. and we always loved, loved having him on. And, you know, it's interesting. Uh, everything ties back to today. And I know this is, you know, obviously a big playoff game tonight, but he really became a mentor to Rudy Gobert. And I think Rudy Gobert would come out fired up anyway. Um, but now I have no doubt he will come fired up. I think that um, early in his career, you know, there's a, there was a story and a photo of them. I can't remember who did it. It might have been the trip might have been the D news. I'm not sure. But anyway, a photo of the two of them. And I think Rudy went down to Tuscany and had lunch with him. And, you know, they developed a bond. What's it like to be dominant defensively, but not have the offensive expect, uh, offensive abilities, especially early in your career that people really want and expect out of you. So I think, uh, I think if Rudy were on the line, he'd tell you, man, Mark was good for me too, you know, and generous with his time and all that. So I think you're spot on there, Jake. Uh, so, you mentioned that you think that Rudy is going to come out fired up tonight. Uh, transitioning kind of to tonight's game, 
What are your expectations for what's going to happen in Game 3? Uh, Memphis is going to come out fired up. They're 1-1, they believe. Now, I think as a Jazz fan, you can sit here and say, ah, you're in Memphis, you're the 8th seed, we're the 1 seed, and you only got a game because Donovan didn't play. <laughs> and, you know, there may be some truth there, but, you know, what is important isn't the truth, all caps. You know, what is important is your truth. You might be a massive underdog, but if you think you've got a chance, well, then you're going to play like it, and that's going to make you a much tougher opponent. So I expect a really good game out of the Grizzlies tonight, and I think the Jazz are going to have to. I think we should go back to Carl Malone. And Carl picked this up from Jerry or maybe from Frank Layden, um, and then he really owned it. He would always say, big road games, we've got to weather the storm. And I think the Jazz are going to have to weather the storm tonight. You know, Minnesota is going to punch, and then the Jazz will have to take it and have to punch back. I think that um, a lot of analysis of this series, depending on where you are and how you look at it, but I think what I've really settled on is Memphis is good. And I don't really want to hear people talk about Memphis's flaws. Or, and they got them. They're not a perfect team. Uh, but Memphis is good. You know? And I think the Jazz are better. I think the Jazz are going to win the series. Now, I thought Jazz in five when it started, but Donovan didn't play in the first game they lost. I think this easily goes six now. I expect, I'm not sure who will win tonight, but whoever wins, I expect the other team to win Monday. I would think this is coming back 2-2. I think it's more likely the Jazz are up 3-1 than the Grizzlies get to 3-1, but I, I really think 2-2 is overwhelmingly the most likely outcome. If I'm wrong, then I think the Jazz are up 3-1. I think the Jazz have a talent advantage, I think especially in the bench. And the benches get shortened. Um, but the benches have been really important in the first two games because both teams have been in foul trouble. And I think we're going to see less of that as the series goes along. Um, referees read, referees hear, referees see, and referees don't need to be told. You know, yeah. I'm not, I, I don't think that there's text messages and back-in-the-day faxes going out telling referees. I'm not that deep into the conspiracy theory stuff. Um, but everybody's human and everybody's paying attention, and to referees, this is their world, too. And nobody wants a series decided by players fouling out in seven straight games. And this isn't just a Jazz Grizzly thing. I think if you go back and read the Blazer comments after game three, the same thing is going on in Portland and Denver. You know, there have been foul troubles. Nurkic has been in a lot of foul trouble. I think a lot of that is going to go away. As we get deeper in a series, I think you're more likely to see let them play kind of games. Let them play. And that, you know, the Grizzlies are good. You turn someone as big and as skilled as Valanciunas loose in a let-em-play kind of game, that's going to be hard for Derek Favors. You know, Valanciunas is just a, a lot bigger. The same way Derek Favors punishes six, eight guys in the post, well, now he's given up, you know, he's got a few inches and a few pounds, and so now he's given up a few inches and a few pounds. So I think Rudy, Rudy matching Valanciunas' minutes as much as possible, you, get, you don't want to mess too much with your own rotations, and depending on what they do with Valance units, it could mess with their own rotations. But I think that they need, the Jazz need to keep Rudy on the floor with Valance units as much as possible, especially if they see it developing into that kind of let him play kind of atmosphere. I was saying, I think that's, we're all kind of waiting to see tonight, DJ, is how the referees are going to call this game early, just kind of get a feel of what it's going to be like because we saw two pretty rough and tumble games here in Salt Lake City, and we're going to see what happens with tonight's game. But, DJ, thank you for taking the time. You think it's 2-2 coming back, though, is what, you, you, what you're expecting. I would think that's the most likely. Yeah, 2-2 yeah. coming back, and then the, the Jazz with their – you know, everyone's talking about the Jazz can't win at all because they don't have the playoff experience. Well, in this matchup, they have the playoff experience. Yes. You know, if they get deeper in the playoffs, they can run into a team where they, you know, they largely 
Mike and Jordan accepted, haven't been to a conference final, and they're going to, you know, they'd be at a disadvantage. But at this point, they get the playoff experience over the Grizzlies, and I think that and their bench depth in the long run is going to make the difference. And it does seem personal on some level. It does. <laughs> I, I would agree with you, you know, on that. Dylan, Dylan Brooks has gotten under Jazz fan skins, but every series needs a villain, so what, right? Mm-hmm. But he got under uh, Mitchell's skin. Donovan Mitchell was entirely too fired up for the first quarter of a playoff game. <laughs> and so that, I think that bodes well for Jazz fans. You know, there'll be no letdown. There'll be, there'll be plenty of intensity from the Jazz. But the Grizzlies are good, so the Jazz are going to have to absorb a run at some point early in this game, probably early. Well, DJ, thank you for taking the time, carving out some time on a Saturday afternoon for us, and we'll look forward to that game tonight, and obviously we'll hear you back here on Tuesday with DJ and PK in the morning, all right? All right. Talk to you then.